0: Frasier debated whether to put up a fight. When he got out to the street, he found he was shaking and badly in need of a drink. Edgeworks Entertainment presents... Short Transmissions. Stories to rocket you into space. Tonight, Sentiment, Inc. by Paul Anderson. Part 2. Source, gutenberg.org. A week later, Martinez said, Yeah, we found them easy enough. It's not in the phone book, but they got a big suite right in the high-rent district on 5th. The address is here. It's written in my report. Nobody in the building knows much about them, except that they're quiet, well-behaved bunch and call themselves research psychologists. They have a staff of four, a secretary receptionist, a full-time secretary, and a couple of husky boys who may be bodyguards for the boss. That's this Kennedy, Robert Kennedy. My man couldn't get into his office. The girl said he was too busy and never saw anybody except some regular clients. Nor could he date either the girls, but he did investigate them. Uh Uh-huh. The receptionist is just a working girl for routine stuff. Married, hardly knows or cares what's going on. The steno is unmarried, has a degree in psych, and lives alone, and seems to have no friends except her boss. Who's not her lover, by the way. Well, uh, how about Kennedy himself? asked Fraser. "'I've found out a good bit, but it's all legitimate,' said Martinez." He's about 50 years old, a widower, very steady private life. He's a licensed psychiatrist who's used to practice in Chicago, where he also did research in collaboration with a physicist named Gavoti, who's since died, shortly after that happened. No, there's no suspicion of foul play. The physicist was an old man and died of a heart attack. Well, anyway. Kennedy moved to New York. He still practices officially, but he doesn't take just anybody. Claims that his research only leaves him time for a few. Martinez narrowed his eyes. The only thing you could hold against him is that he occasionally sees a guy named Bryce, who's in a firm that has some dealings with Amtork. The Russian Trading Corporation? Hmm. I mean, that's pretty remote guilt by association, Colin. Amtorg does have legitimate business, you know. We buy manganese from them, among other things, and then the rest of Kennedy's connections are all strictly blue ribbon. Crème de la crème business, finance, politics, and one big union leader who's known to be a conservative. In fact, Kennedy's friends are so powerful, you'd have real trouble doing anything against them. Fraser slumped in his chair. I suppose my notion was pretty wild," he admitted. "Well, there's one weird angle, you know. These rich guys who suddenly made out with such high-desirable dames, as far as I could find out, every one of them is a client of Kennedy's, huh?" Fraser sat upright. It's a fact. Also, my man showed the building staff—I mean, elevator pilots and so on. Pictures of these women, and a couple of them remember as having coming to see Kennedy. Shortly before they fell in love? Well, that I can't be sure of. You, you know how people are about remembering dates, but it's possible. Fasier shook his dark head. It's unbelievable, he said. I thought Svengali was outworn melodrama. I know something about hypnotism, Colin. It won't do anything like what you think happened to those girls. Fraser got out his pipe and fumbled tobacco into it. I think, he said, I'm going to call on Dr. Robert Kennedy myself. Uh, take it easy, boy, said Martinez. You've been reading too many weird stories. You'll just get tossed out on your can. Fraser tried to smile. It was hard. Judy wouldn't answer his calls and letters anymore. Well, he said. It'll be in a worthy cause. The elevator let him out on the 19th floor. It held four big suites with the corridor running between them. He studied the frosted glass doors. On one side was the Eagle Publishing Company and Frank and Dale's Brokers. On the other was the Messenger Advertising Service and Sentiment, Inc. He entered their door and stood in a quiet, oak-paneled reception room. Behind the railing were a couple of desks, a young woman working at each, and two burly men who sat boredly reading magazines. The pretty girl, obviously the receptionist, looked up at Fraser, approached, and gave him a professional smile. "'Yes, sir,' she asked. I'd like to see Dr. Kennedy, please, he said, trying hard to be casual. Do you have an appointment, sir? No, but it's urgent. I'm sorry, sir. Dr. Kennedy is very busy, and he can't see anybody except his regular patients and research subjects. Look, take him in this note, will you? Thanks. Fraser sat uneasily for some minutes, wondering if he'd worded the note correctly. I must see you about Miss Judy Harkness. Important. Well, what the devil else could you say? The receptionist came out again. Dr. Kennedy can spare a few minutes, sir, she said. Go right in. Thanks. Fraser slouched toward the inner door. The two men lowered their magazines to follow him with watchful eyes. There was a big, handsomely furnished office inside, with a door beyond that must lead to the laboratory. Kennedy looked up from some papers and rose, holding out his hand. He was a medium-sized man, rather plump, graying hair brushed thickly back from a broad, heavy face behind rimless glasses. Yes? His voice was low and pleasant. What can I do for you? My name's Fraser. The visitor sat down and accepted a cigarette. Best to act urbanly. I know Miss Harkness well. I understand you made some encephalographic studies of her. Indeed. Kennedy looked annoyed, and Fraser recalled that Judy had been asked not to tell anyone. I'm not sure. I would have to consult my records first. He wasn't admitting anything, Fraser thought. Look, said the engineer. There's been a marked change in Miss Harkness recently. I know enough psychology to be certain that such changes don't happen overnight with cause. I wanted to consult you. I'm not her psychiatrist, said Kennedy coldly. Now, if you'll excuse me, I really do have a lot to... All right, said Fraser. There was no menace in his tone, only weariness. If you insist, I'll play it dirty. Such abrupt changes indicate mental instability, and but I know she was perfectly sane before. It begins to look as if your experiments may have injured her mind. If so, I should have to report you for malpractice. Kennedy flushed. I am a licensed psychiatrist, he said, and any other doctor will confirm that Miss Harkness is still in mental health. If you tried to get an investigation started, you would only be wasting your own time and that of the authorities. She herself will testify that no harm was done to her, no compulsion applied, and that you are an infernal busybody with some delusions of your own. Good afternoon. Ah, said Fraser. So she was here. Kennedy pushed a button. His men entered. Show this gentleman the way out, please, he said. Frasier debated whether to put up a fight, decided it was futile, and went out between the two others. When he got out to the street, he found he was shaking and badly in need of a drink. Fraser asked, Jim, did you ever read Trilby? Sworsky's round, freckled face lifted to regard him. <laughs> Years ago, he answered. What of it? Tell me something. Is it possible, even theoretically possible, to do what Svengali did? Change emotional attitudes. Just like that. Fraser snapped his fingers. I don't know, said Sworsky. Nuclear cross-sections are more in my line, but offhand, I should imagine it might be done. Sometime in the far future. Thought habits, associational patterns, the labeling of things as this is good, that is bad... It seemed to be matters of established neural paths. If you could selectively alter the polarization of individual neurons, but mm, it's a pretty remote prospect. We hardly know a thing about the brain today. He studied his friend sympathetically. I know it's tough to get jilted, he said, but don't don't go off your trolley about it. Uh, I could stand it if someone else had gotten her in the usual kind of way, said Fraser thinly. But this look, let me tell you all I found out. Swarski shook his head at the end of the story. That's some mighty wild speculation, he murmured. I'd forget it if I were you. Did you know Kennedy's old partner, Gavodi, at Chicago? Sure. I met him a few times, nice old guy, very unworldly, completely wrapped up in his work. He got interested in neurology from the physics and angle toward the end of his life, and contributed a lot to cybernetics. What of it? I don't know, said Fraser. I just, I don't know. But do me a favor, will you, Jim? Judy won't see me at all, but she knows you and and she likes you. Ask her to dinner or something. Insist that she come and then you and your wife find out whatever you can. Just exactly how she feels about the whole business. What are attitudes towards everything? The name's Swarski, not Holmes. But sure, I'll do what I can. If you'll promise to try and get rid of this fixation, you ought to see a head shrink yourself, you know? In vino veritas, sometimes too damn much veritas. Toward the end of the evening, Judy was talking freely, if not quite coherently. I cared a lot for Colin, she said. It was pretty wonderful having him around. He's a grand guy. Only Matt... I don't know. Matt hasn't got half of what Colin has. Matt's a single track mind. I'm afraid I'm just going to be an ornamental convenience to him. Only if you've ever been so, you, you get all dizzy when someone was around and thought about him all the time when he was away. And Well, that's how he is. Nothing else matters. Colin's gotten a funny obsession, Sworsky said cautiously. He thinks Kennedy hypnotized you for Snyder. I keep telling him it's impossible, but he can't get over the idea. Oh, no, 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 she said with too much fervor. It's nothing like that. I'll tell you just what happened. We had those two measuring sessions, and it was kind of dull, but nothing else. And then the third time, Kennedy did put me under hypnosis. He he called it that, at least. I went to sleep and woke up about an hour later, and he sent me home. I felt all good inside and happy. And slowly I began to see what Matt meant to me. I called him up that evening. He said Kennedy's machine did speed up people's minds for a short while, sometimes, so they decided quick-like what they would have worked out anyway. Kennedy is... I don't know. It's funny how ordinary he seemed at first, but when you get to know him, he's like... God, almost. He's strong and wise and good, and he... Her voice trailed off, and she sat looking foolishly at her glass. You know... "'said Sworski. "'Perhaps Colin is right after all.' <gasps> "'Don't say that.' "'She jumped up and slapped his face. "'Kennedy's good. "'I tell you, all you little lice sitting here "'making sly remarks behind my back, "'and he's so... he's much bigger than all of you, and... "'She broke into tears and stormed out of the apartment. Sworsky reported the affair to Fraser. "'I wonder,' he said. "'It doesn't seem natural. "'I'll agree.' But what can anybody do? The police? Ugh, I've tried, said Fraser. They laughed. When I insisted, I I damn near got myself jugged. That's no use. The trouble is, none of the people who've been under the machine will testify against Kennedy. He fixes it so they worship him. I still think you're crazy. There must be a simpler hypothesis. I refuse to believe your screwy notions without some real evidence. But what are you going to do now? Well said Fraser with a tautness in his voice. I've got several thousand dollars saved up, and Juan Martinez will help. Ever hear the fable about the lion? He licked hell out of the bear and the tiger and the rhinoceros, but a little gnat drove him nuts. Maybe I can be the gnat. He shook his head. But I'll have to hurry. The wedding's only six weeks off. Short Transmissions was created by Heather Johnson Yu. Produced and edited by Rachel Emerson. Music by Molly Walburn. Brought to you by Edgeworks Nebula. Tune in next week for the next episode of Short Transmissions. Edgeworks Nebula.